Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome as we get ready for Sharks hockey on a Tuesday afternoon. We have news on the San Jose Sharks coming out today. That is that Bob Bugner said that Kevin LeBanc won't be back for the rest of the year. Uh, Aiden Hill also likely falling into that same category. That uh, per the tweet from Curtis Pashelka of the Merc, which I am currently looking at. Uh, also, uh, Redeem Shemek and Eric Carlson are considered day-to-day. Uh, Alexander Barabanov will not play tonight. He wasn't 100%. Um, so that's unfortunate with regards to Kevin LeBanc because I thought we were going to get him back. And then Aiden Hill, uh, really an incomplete picture. I, I liked what we got from him in a lot of games. I think there's a lot of potential there. But, you know, we obviously didn't get to see the uh, the full image of everything that he can potentially bring to the table. Because I, I really liked what Aiden Hill had in terms of uh, potential. I think that he's got a big body, good athleticism, really definitive in his movements and really uh, played with a lot of conviction and so I, you know, I want to see more of it, obviously, um, you know, but with three goalies currently on the Sharks, uh, we don't know what's going to happen this offseason. So it's uh, it's an interesting one for sure. And we've got a special guest now joining us. It is former member of the San Jose Sharks, Robin Bawa, who is going to be at the SAP Center tonight for Indian Heritage Night. Robin, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Oh, thanks for having me, Ted. It's, uh, you know, I just got in town the other day here for a, for a big night, the Indian Heritage Night at the Shark Tank there. So it's gonna be exciting. You know, it's it's. I mean, I guess this is a byproduct of uh, growing up in the Bay Area and living in a diverse area. But you know, they told me you were gonna be on, and I start reading all this stuff about you. I, you know, in retrospect, because I was ten when you were with the Sharks, like I didn't know the background of you being the first, you know, South Asian player, first Indian player. I'm reading these stories, you know, now about all of you know the things that you had to deal with, you know, the inherent racism, all these things. Like it, it blows my mind because. At that era, it's like you were on the ice for the Sharks. It's like, all right, this guy's with our club now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna root for him. And I guess that's, you know, some of the naivety that happens growing up as a white kid in the suburbs in the Bay Area. But it's remarkable reading about everything that that you went through. Um, but you know, obviously, you had a very uh, remarkable hockey career as a professional. It, it didn't slow you down. No, you know, when you're in the midst of, uh, in the middle of everything, you don't really think of being the only, you know, Indian kid playing you know, in the NHL. So. After you know you, you retire, you sit back and reflect on it. Then it then, you, then it puts everything into perspective from when you're a young boy, you know, growing up in, on a small town in Vancouver Island in Canada. Um, you know, I didn't start skiing until I was about eight years old, and um, the only reason I started you know play hockey actually I was playing for help my mom put me in sports because I had a small case of asthma, mm-hmm. and then all my buddies were playing hockey in grade three, and uh, you know I kind of got interested in that and they kind of mentioned to me, well, your kind doesn't really, really play hockey. And at the time I didn't know what that meant. And it just meant that, uh, you know, Indian kids didn't play hockey back in the 1970s. That's all it was. There wasn't that many kids around to begin with. And, uh, and, you know, fast forward to 
to, to, to today that there's there's you know I think the Indian culture is growing massively in the U.S. and Canada. And, I think there's a lot of a lot of different nationalities playing playing hockey right now. Yeah, and obviously a, a lot of different nationalities of people, um, you know, coming out to watch Sharks games. I mean, that's the the great thing about living in a place like the Bay Area is it's you know the true the melting pot. We have people from all over the world, and inevitably they do get interested in uh, you know one of the teams in the Bay Area or, or you know as opposed to another. Like you know, if you have somebody from Finland who. I can't imagine baseball is the biggest sport in Finland, but they find themselves, um, you know, at a, at a Giants or A's game or just like people are exposed to all the sports. And we see that um, in the Bay Area. Um, yeah, I'm curious, you know, with everything that hockey is doing now with the, the hockey is for everyone and they're trying to make sure that it's not just such a, um, you know, middle class white sport and trying to get everybody involved, which I, you know, I think is, is a great thing. I think you want as many fans, you want as many people as a part of your game. Is there, is there a part of you now wishing back that looking back that wishes that had been more the reality? Or do you maybe look at yourself and say like, Hey, this exists now because of what I was able to do as a trailblazer. Or do you even have a hard time viewing yourself as a trailblazer? Because I'd imagine that you probably look at yourself more as just, yeah, you're a hockey guy. I mean, that that's kind of the, what defines you more than, um, you know, any of your background. Well, I think everything you said there is correct. I think that, uh, you know, I do wish it was, you know, more popular, more um, diversified, you know, back in, back in the nineties when I played in NHL, but even now, you know, like, like I said, it is, you know, kind of, you know, you know, being a trailblazer, I guess, I guess as you're, as you're going down that path, you're not realizing that you're, you know, blazing a new trail. But and when you look back at it, that could have been the start of it. And now there's you know, so many people watching hockey, so many Indian people in the Bay Area that are following hockey, that are actually kids that are playing hockey. So, you know, it's come a long way. And I think, I think that uh, it's still got ways to go, but uh, it's really, really, you know, enjoying to watch. You know, we see the NHL doing so much um, positives, but then, you know, time and time again, we do see negative stories pop up, um, you know, that have to do with racism. And it's more typically associated with some of the, the black players in the NHL as opposed to uh, players of Indian descent. But does that discourage you? Or are you glad that when these things come out, it's observed as being so abhorrent and such an aberration that people want to go public with it and bring it up? I think, I think once it goes public, I think people realize they have to take a step back and realize what was just done. And, and you're seeing less and less of it. You know, it's just that every time something does come up, it, it's brought to the public eye, which, which it should be. And I, th- I think that, um, you know, going forward, I think we're going to have uh, less and less of it. You know, I, I had talked to Manny Maholtra about it when he played, in, mm-hmm. you know, in Vancouver and even Jujar when he played in uh, Edmonton. And, and there's, you know, I think the players have a lot of respect for each other now compared to maybe back in, you know, in, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I think that it's more awareness now. And, and um, you know, I think hockey is first. You'd be a hockey player first and then, then, then you're a person of color, you know, secondly. And I think everybody seems to um, be moving forward on that part. What does it mean to you to be involved in this tonight and come out and uh, drop the ceremonial puck? Oh, I think it's I think it's amazing. I think I'm so excited to uh, be part of the, the uh, community here and and the people that are getting behind it and all the Indian people coming out and, and recognizing that uh, there was a uh, an Indian player that played back in the '90s in the NHL and played for the Sharks. And I think you know, showing my age, I think a lot of people, like you said, you're only 10 when when I was playing for the Sharks. And a lot of people probably weren't even <laughs> weren't even born when I was playing. But <laughs> it's good to get aware, good to get awareness out there, and uh, it's really really nice to see that there's a, a good Indian following in the, in the Bay Area. I'm curious, what what do you remember about that time with the Sharks? Because that was, I, I'm sure I don't need to remind you, that was not the best year in Sharks history, but uh, obviously a lot of names on that team that we still uh, associate with the franchise. Even recently, Doug Wilson just stepping down from his 
his role as as the general manager. Um, Drew Remenda was a was a coach on that team back then, and of course he's still involved with us on the broadcast side of things. Um, you know, it, it, you obviously you didn't um, get to play at the tank; you played at the Cow Palace. Um, you know, just any memories that stick out? Oh, you know, the Cow Palace. It was it was the first year for the Sharks, so it was it was a pretty big deal with the fan following that we had there in that in the arena. It only held about ten thousand fans, but. It was a pretty pretty hot ticket, and uh, you know Drew was there, George Kingston was there, a good bunch of coaches up with a good bunch of people, and actually Doug Wilson was my roommate when I when we played in Boston. Really, so a couple couple road road teams, uh, him and I were, got to be roommates, so that was that was kind of fun getting to know Doug a little bit, and uh, it was a real enjoyable time. You know, but good bunch of guys, good good coaching staff, good training staff, and and the the, uh, the fans are amazing. Yeah, I you know I, that's the one thing that a lot of the the former players with those early Sharks teams talk about is the 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 fans showing up and just the way like you said it was a it was a hot ticket everybody wanted to come out and see the the new team. I'm just I'm curious you know since you got to you know play with Doug and know him a little bit, did you foresee him as being a a GM? Did you think that was in his future, or did you more think he was going to be a coach? Or um, you know I guess it's it's hard to look at somebody and f- figure out their future, but Doug always did have uh, quite a presence about him even when he was still a player. Oh, definitely. Doug was a leader. He he was leader of the team. He was a go-to guy, and I always did see him as a, as a either president or a GM or some kind of um, you know managerial role. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, did you did, did you think um, about that every time you heard about him making so uh, some sort of a a wild uh, trade in the NHL, whether it was going after Jumbo or uh, a Doyle or excuse me, a Boyle or a. Uh, Trying to think who uh, Eric Carlson or Brent Burns were like, yeah, I used to uh, I used to play with that guy. I used to room with that guy. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. I, I know I love the style. I just I love how bold he is about making these good moves and and it's shown for the you know the Sharks for the last you know how many 10, 20, 30 years of how how well they've done on the ice and and he's just he's a very smart person and good hockey guy. You also played with uh, Dean Evison, and now of course we get to watch him uh, with the Wild. Is it? Do you ever? get a kick out of seeing the way these teams played and then kind of compare it to how they were as a player and say, that's not really the style that I figured he'd be coaching, but whatever works, I guess. Yeah. Dino. Yeah. Actually, it's funny thing. He, he was just, I just had breakfast the other day, a couple months ago before, before one of his games. And, uh, you know, we reminisced about when, when we played junior together and he was one of those leaders when I played in Kamloops for in WHL, where he really, you know, really mentored me as a, as a young 16 year old. So, um, you know, I'm not surprised that he's having success on the ice too. He's such a, he's another one of those guys like Doug that is such a good leader. And I, I saw hit Dino as more of a coach than, than a managerial position, but uh, he's done well. Interesting. Good stuff here. Um, again, on the Sharks audio network with Robin Bawa, um, just get, bring us up to speed on the, uh, the post hockey life for you. I mean, we, we know you've got kids now. We, I know that you've told stories about them playing hockey. Um, how do you keep yourself busy these days? And uh, do you still get a chance to find yourself out on the ice much? You know, actually, I coached uh, coached the boys for maybe ten years in minor hockey, and then, you know, I when I retired in you know ninety nine, I just didn't lace them up for about ten years. I just you know just wore it out mentally and physically. I had a couple of concussions, so I just um, you know we had a family business. I started getting that. My cousin and I bought the business out, and uh, doing that and coaching the boys kept me busy. You know, until they hit about fifteen, and then you know once you know they hit about fourteen, fifteen, the dad can't coach anymore. So. <laughs> So then, and <laughs> they don't want to listen. So that no, they they're both playing junior hockey in, in Canada. One's in the WHL, one's in the BCHL. So, you know, they're they're making their own path. And I think that uh, you know it, it's nice to see that nice to be a dad for once and just enjoying the hockey portion of it. Um, 
So that was my extent of my coaching career was just coaching the boys. Yeah. I, I'm curious, you know, when you look back on it now to where, you know, it, it goes by so quickly. I mean, at what point, I guess when it, when you were hanging it up in 99, did you ever have that thought like, God, I remember when it was, you know, 93 and I was with the sharks or I remember, um, you know, when it was, you know, 88, when you were with the comets, like, does it go by as fast as it seems to go by? Like, or do you get, or does it slow down because there is such a game to game focus? You know, it's a funny thing. Once it's all said and down, said and done, it's, it's like a blink of an eye. You know, and, and it, when you're in the midst of it, it's it's game by game focus, like like you mentioned there. But once you once you hit a certain age, or you just retired after you know, 10, 20 years of retirement, then you look back and say, "Wow, it it, it goes it goes by very quick." And that's what I tell the boys: I say, enjoy every single day when you're playing the sport of hockey because it's such a great game. The camaraderie is just amazing. You'll never you don't really get that camaraderie anywhere else in, in, in the world. And, you're you know playing some kind of team sport and you know you you miss that part but your body can only take so much so um you know it just it's part of life i guess yeah no most definitely um you know i i guess you know when you watch the game today or or do you still watch much nhl today i mean i obviously you you know you got a you got a lot of hockey in your life i can see why it's just kind of not maybe not what you're sitting down to watch every single night on uh, and maybe you're just getting the highlights on on tsn or maybe you are still watching a lot of games Oh, definitely. We still watch a ton of games. You know, I've, I should become a scout. Actually, I've watched so many games this year with the boys <laughs> playing, you know, his, you know, junior hockey. And then even when you know, we, we have season tickets, so we, we go to a few games here and there. And then that, all, a lot of my buddies are, we're still, in the last five, 10 years, we're still coaching in each other, still part of it. So I got to, you know, Hitchcock was coaching back, you know, back in the day. Everson was there. Mm-hmm. Ruby still coaching. Uh, Dallas Eakins is still coaching. All these guys that I actually played with you know, play the same team. And the guys at Craig Bruby coach in St. Louis, he was my roommate and junior. So, oh. you know, you always have these connections where you, you, you haven't seen a guy for a while, but then as soon as you see him, you, you seem like it's yesterday that you saw him. What, what do you think of uh, the NHL today compared to when you were playing in it? Well, like the boys say, they said, dad, you know, it was nothing like it was now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a lot more, a lot more skill now. You know, it was a different era back then. It was a totally different era. You know, it was more of a, a bigger, stronger, tougher league, and now it's all skill. Everything is about skill and skating. Um, it's it's nice to watch. I think I still miss some of the uh, stuff that's a little rougher stuff in the hitting, but uh, the skill wise is just exceptional. The, the skill that these guys have nowadays, uh, it's just amazing. <laughs> you know, they have skill coaches, they got diet coaching. You know, they got everything. You know, back then we didn't have any skill coaches. We didn't have any you know any dietitians. We just had you know just you, know, you went out and played, and you had you know it was in a different way of coaching back then. Interesting stuff, man. Well, Robin, I know you got a lot going on today, so I will let you go, but um, I'm definitely going to say hi to you when you come up to go on with Dan during one of the intermissions. Really appreciate this chat with you, and uh, I'm looking forward to watching you drop the puck tonight. All right, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Again, that is Robin Bawa, the first player of Indian heritage to ever make it into the NHL, as well as being the first player of South Asian descent to make it into the NHL. And he will be dropping the first puck tonight. He'll be on the TV broadcast. He will be on Dan Rusinowski's broadcast right here on the Sharks Audio Network. And uh, I encourage you to Google his name, read about the things that he put up with, read about the things that he had to deal with in terms of racism, in terms of what people said about you know his kind not playing hockey. I mean, again, I talked about it in that interview. I, you know, I remember him playing for the Sharks, but I was totally unaware 
of of this being a factor and uh you know just really interesting and he is a trailblazer and uh he holds a big part of history in the nhl and in hockey for just his role so really cool i'm glad we got to have him on here today and i'm excited to see him uh on the television broadcast tonight and on the audio network broadcast because i think that's going to be pretty fun I'm always somebody that wants to look into more of the history about the Sharks and, you know, being as how that was one of the first couple of years of the Sharks and at the Cow Palace, I don't probably spend as much time thinking about those teams as I should. And I think that it's actually, it's not a blind spot in my history, but I think so much of the Sharks is wrapped up in the Doug Wilson as general manager timeline, which is for obvious reasons. Um, but, you know, you think about those teams that, you know, had the runs in the mid-90s, the first playoff teams and such, and then you kind of get into some blind spots before you get, you know, Patty Marlowe taken off. But it's something that uh, I, I need to go back and, and look a little bit at because there's probably a lot that I've forgotten that I don't even realize that I've forgotten. And in fact, I need to go find my copy of Dan Rusinowski's book. So that might might be on my schedule today. Did want to get you some of the sound from Bob Bugner's press conference earlier today. And it looks like Alexander Barabanov is not going to play. Yeah, he's getting better. He just, you know, talking to him, he's not sure. Uh, you know, still hurts when he shoots. And, uh, you know, to go in and take a hit and then maybe not be able to play for the rest of the game and have him play with a forward short, it's uh, um, with this many bodies around, just makes sense to give him a couple more days. And Bugner gave an update on both Eric Carlson and Radim Shimek. Um, yeah, Simmer uh, um, is basically. Uh, um, lower body day-to-day he's gonna try skating Wednesday um, Carly's the same thing he's day-to-day uh, saw the dock uh, nothing crazy serious it's just a day-to-day thing Bugner also said that he did not expect Aiden Hill to return and that Kevin LeBanc was going to be shut down for the remainder of the season yeah Kevin won't play for the rest of the season he's uh, um, like I said I think the doctors are happy with how his shoulder is um, it's just a longer rehab um, you know, probably to to plan for the last two, three weeks of the season, um, you know, knowing he's fresh out of uh, rehab and, and uh, it's probably just not the right thing. So I know he's disappointed. I talk to him every day. I see him he's working hard. He's at the rink every day. He's skating. Um, he's, you know, he's shooting. He's doing all the things he should be doing. But it's just uh, um, for him right now, it's just not a very good timing issue. And although I would like to see him out there on the ice for the Sharks, at this point, I'm kind of like, you know what? Make sure he goes into the offseason healthy. Make sure he is ready to go for game number one next year because Kevin LeBanc needs to be the player he was in the 2018-2019 season. And he, he hasn't lived up to those expectations, and that's what the Sharks need him to be. Their plan of getting better going forward is dependent on Kevin LeBanc taking big strides forward in his game, at least in terms of consistency. There was also talk of Nick Bonino playing out on the wing, considering one of the reasons he came to San Jose in theory was that he wanted to be more of that centerman. Bob Bugner gave a really interesting answer on this. Yeah, I talked to him a little bit. I mean, um, you know, for him, it was, it was, you know, trying to, to be honest with you, is trying to add, um, you know, get some balance in our lines to give Cooch guys to play with so that Cooch, you, you know, that line could be a threat to score as well. Not that, you know, Bones, he's known around the league as a school scorer anymore, but obviously, uh, you know, he's... I mean, if you look at his stats last year, looking at his stats this year, I mean, he's, uh, um, you know, he's starting to score in the last month. So that was one of the issues. The other issue was obviously, um, you know, Borlo coming in, um, you know, trying to find a, a you know, a, a line for him to play with at center. And then you got, with so many guys that can play center, Chemer, uh, Weatherby, Reedy. Um, so it's an experiment a little bit, but I like what I see on the left wing. I know uh, the second half of the season in Minnesota, he played left wing last year. Um, so it's nothing new for him, and I think it's just sort of given him a sense of, uh, 
a little bit of sense of uh, um, energy. I think playing with Cooch is, you, you know, playing on that line. I think, uh, um, you know, whether Needs is on that line or not, I think there's a, a little bit of balance anyway offensively for our, for our lineup the way it looks right now. And I think it is interesting to note, like Bob said, that Benino has started scoring again. So obviously the Sharks need to create that offense. They need to get pucks to the back of the net. And if that is being discovered by using Benino as a winger, then by all means. Well, we are just about out of time. It should be a good time at the tank tonight as the Sharks take on Columbus. They're back home after five on the road. They need to get a win. Let's see if Team Teal can take care of business tonight. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app. Presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.